My wife, Ashley, and I are just days away from becoming parents. In some unknown number of days, or even hours, we'll be heading to the hospital to finally, if all things go well, meet this person that's in her womb that we've been talking to and dreaming about for the past months. And I can't wait. I can't wait to finally hold our child, to be able to look at it and start to know who they are. I can't wait for us to decide which of our favorite names that we've picked out best fits however it looks, (laughs) using whatever part of our intuition that is supposed to help us decide that. But while I'm so excited to meet this kid, and for our family to grow from two people to three. In some ways, this kid won't meet us for a while after it's born. And here's what I mean. For the first few weeks and months, and even in some ways first years, a child doesn't become fully self-aware. Especially at the beginning, they have no distinction between themselves and the rest of the world. Even after several months, they still feel like they're one, especially with the mother. It takes a year or two for the kid to even begin to understand that their reflection in a mirror is them, that they are a self that is in this great big world. And even then though, they still struggle to understand that there are other selves out there in the world like them. There's a common developmental test where a researcher or a parent who wants to make sure their kid is developing okay, will hold a ball that is split into two colors. Let's say it's red on one half of the ball and blue on the other. Then they'll show the kid both sides of the ball. They'll show them the red side, the blue side, and then turn the red side to them and the blue side toward the researcher and ask the kid, what color does the researcher see? The answer for all of us smart and empathetic adults is blue. But for the first few years, the kid will say red because they see red. They haven't learned to see the world from another person's perspective. It takes time. It takes time to become self-aware and develop a sense of self and then to see things from another person's perspective outside of yourself. And today's story is about that process and what it can look like when you grow up in a bubble, a faith or church bubble, like Chandrika did. How does being born into a faith tradition like Christianity shape you? How does it help your development and how does it hinder your growth and understanding of yourself and others? Well, I grew up um, first in, in so Oklahoma City. So we start Chandrika's story at the beginning of her life and what she was born into. Grew up in church. Um, I would say I was born into Christianity. Um, my parents were Christians. That's what, what I was born into, Black Christianity or Black church, if you will. Um, and I, I've done maybe every position you can think of in, in a church, I, from ushering to directing the choir to preaching um, to youth Sunday school, praise and worship leader, uh, outreach pastor, pastor of music and arts. Um, I've, I've done it all. Born into Christianity, like you're born into a family. And we all know that your family of origin always has a profound effect on how you see the world, how you're shaped. So I was curious how she felt about the faith and church that she was born into. I expected her to say she liked or disliked it, but her answer surprised me. Mm-hmm. How did you hold it though? Did you rebel against it? Did you love it? Did you, how did you, how did you receive it? I wasn't present for it. Um, I lived through it, but um, you know, 
at elementary school, I wasn't, I had no self-awareness. So, um, you know, what, what, what you do is do as you're told. Mm. And so, um, elementary school, middle school, uh, we, um, had to learn the books of the Bible. Um, my dad, um, hadn't too long ago reminded me of my mom playing, uh, scripture on cassette before, or as we went to sleep at night, um, we had to sing. I just did what I was told. I don't, I didn't know anything else actually. Yeah. When did you start, um, when did you start kind of becoming self-aware? When did you start kind of knowing, like, this is a thing. Like, I was given to it. It was my whole world. I didn't know there was anything else. And then I started to realize, was it like high school or beyond that, when it was like, oh, this is like what I was born into versus there's other options. You would be very surprised to know um, I became aware of that in my late or early 30s. Okay. Um, it wasn't until I had an opportunity to leave the States that I realized there were some other choices. At first, I was surprised, even a little confused by what she meant, not being self-aware for her childhood experience and not becoming aware of her own context compared to others until her 30s. But it made me think about my own experience growing up in the church and how I'm still becoming more and more aware and understanding of what other adolescent or even adult experiences are like and how they compare to my own. Because when you're young, and especially if you live somewhat in a cultural bubble, you don't know anything else. It's like the researcher holding up a multicolored ball and asking the child what color each of them sees. You can only say the color that you see, the one that you know. And then in her 30s, she pops the bubble that she's been living in, quite extremely by traveling to the other side of the world, to China, to teach English. No passport. I'd never traveled anywhere else um, outside of the States. Um, I had this opportunity. I was presented with it, and I went. And I was only going, as far as I knew, I was only going for one year. Okay. And it turned into two. Hmm. What are you feeling? Is this like, I'm so excited. Are you terrified out of your mind? What's going on? I don't know. I, I really, again, um, so I was still growing in self-awareness. I just, I think I just remember being open. Hmm. Um, I had gone through a, uh, a breakup from um, a fiance and um, I think I was just open at that time. Like, God, whatever, you know, I, I felt like, you know, God was bigger than what I was experiencing here in the States. And I didn't know how much bigger. So I, that was my theme at the time. God, you're bigger than this. You know, I know you're bigger than this. She has this feeling that God is bigger than what she's known. And so she's willing to step out of her bubble that she grew up in, way out of her bubble, and head to China. And while she felt very open, one thing did scare her. You know, one of the things that stood out to me about training is it's culture shock. They try to prepare us for culture shock. And that now that made me nervous. If if anything, that scared me. What um, was about that for you? Well, just the the how they talked about it, you know, that it could produce a sense of isolation and 
um, you know, you, you'll want to go home and you'll want to be with your family. And those are things I, I knew I wouldn't be able to change. Yeah. So it was like, I just hope, you know, that I don't experience that because it was, wasn't going to be anything I could do to change it. Sure. But we get there and I didn't experience culture shock at all. Really? Why is that? I have no idea. I think I, I, the only thing I could think of is, uh, um, is what I now know to be a very strong sense of curiosity. Hmm. Um, I, it was stronger and wanting to know where I was and, and what we were doing and, um, and where we were going. And, uh, there was just so much to see and so much to learn that may have outweighed, um, uh, missing, uh, conveniences and missing home and cars and family and, uh, you know, my way of life as I knew it, mm. um, church so, even. Curiosity outweighed culture shock and missing comfort and convenience. I think this is fascinating, especially for our modern world today, where we're becoming increasingly globalized and living and working with neighbors and coworkers who have different cultures and worldviews than us, that the remedy to culture shock and wanting to, you know, go back to how things used to be and live in comfort of what I know, the remedy to that might be curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wondered how Chandrika, who came from such an insulated bubble, could have this strong curiosity drive. As far as I can say or see from my observation, being curious wasn't modeled uh, in front of us. Um, and, you know, we didn't ask questions. It just was what they said it was. It was what my parents said it was. It was what the people, the Sunday school teacher said it was. It was what the pastor said it was. But it didn't take that um, very strong sense of curiosity away from me, even though I obeyed hmm. not asking questions. Um, it, it silenced the curiosity, but it didn't take it from me. Mm. And so now you're in China and you can just like follow that curiosity. Right. And, and still unawarely, I still didn't realize how curious I was probably until I got back permanently from China. Oh, wow. I don't, I still don't think again, that bubble um, choked out self-awareness. So I, I didn't become self-aware until I was in my now middle to, to late thirties. I would call, I would call China my Damascus road. Hmm. Um, I mean, I went to China to change China, <laughs> China changed me. I cannot imagine that my students um, had were were more revolutionized than I was. Um, mm. They were a blank slate, but when I went, I was a Christian, you know. So, um, so I was able to um, teach them, um, you know, what I could teach them because they were so they were they were a blank book. Me, on the other hand, I went as a book. 
already, you know, for the most part already written. And, um, and, you know, when I left, um, the book was, was, I was the blank, I was the blank book when I left to come back, you know, you go to China, you're an already written book, but by the time you leave China, some parts of you have, you know, kind of been erased or shaken a little bit more loosely now. Yes. What, what kind of gotten, what got erased in you during those two years? This, this is a great question. Um, there were a lot of experiences I was having that uh, caused me to ask questions of what Christianity taught me. So I'll tell you the first time I experienced culture shock was coming back to the States. Hmm. I came back to the States and went to church because that's what I knew that that's when I learned my, my, my culture wasn't Western culture. (laughs) My culture was, was black church. Hmm. That was my world. And so um, it wasn't until I, I I came back from from China that I realized church or black church was my culture, my personal culture. And so I come back to my culture and I experienced culture shock. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I started I started hearing the sound of tithe envelopes and I started hearing uh, the mention of the devil and enemies in, in our lives. And there was communion. And I didn't realize that for a year, I had not participated in any way um, in, in in these kinds of um, expressions. Yeah. And it, it wasn't, the shock wasn't that I had not experienced it. The shock was that it took a year for me to realize I hadn't experienced it. This is all I've done all my life. When I couldn't tithe, my parents were tithing. Mm. And then when it was my turn to tithe, they made sure to teach me to tithe. Communion is every first Sunday. Um, And the devil is a regular part of conversation, everyday conversation, whether you're in church or not. And I spent a year not realizing it wasn't a part of my conversation. It wasn't a part of my daily and weekly activity, monthly activity. And so that shook me. Like, why is it the devil real in China? Where I lived in a building of Western Christians and nobody's talking about the devil. Why isn't anyone knocking on my door about communion and first Sunday? It didn't exist there. And so I, it scared me. Number one, I thought I was going to hell because I hadn't participated in all this stuff. But number two, it made me go back to China the second year. And um, after our first semester, going into the holiday, which is Christmas, the new year, and then the Chinese new year. So that's a two and a half month, almost three month uh, holiday. And um, the first year um, I spent those those months in Hong Kong doing ministry. Um, the second year, uh, I decided to stay in my apartment and I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I committed to completing a book every day until I finished. Hmm. And when I finished, I was angry. 
Whew, I could cry now. Really? Oh, I was I was so angry. I was so angry that so much of what we were doing is not in the book. Mm. And so much that is in the book, we weren't doing. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what are we doing? What have I been doing all of my life? I, I That was the beginning of, um, you know, erasing so much. She went to China, an already written book, comes back a blank book, and then goes back to China and she reads her book, the Bible, and now she sees it completely differently. Ah, so good. I'd say when I closed the book at Amen, uh, that's the last, I think the last word in the book of Revelation. When I closed the book, angry, I asked the Lord, no, this, I heard the Lord say to me, now that you've studied everyone else's experience, I'm ready to give you your own. Mm. I spent two and a half months digging while my friends and partners traveled Asia. That's why I was upset because I had, I had, you know, done this sacrificed opportunities to explore only to learn that there was an experience designated just for me. Hmm. there's an experience of God that, that is just for me, that God is so big that he's bigger than the opening and the closing of a book Hmm. that, that, um, and and all I do is study this. That's all I'm doing. You know, I'm, I spent uh, or I borrowed, let me say thousands of dollars took towards a degree in biblical studies when it was never intended for me to study this, oh, I was angry. Huh. Yeah, I, I, well, I was angry. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, so, so tell me what happens with that anger. Like, where do you go from there? How do you do? You start to change how you hold the Bible, how you hold your faith, how you look at Christianity. What happens from there? So I'll tell you, and you you say, you ask me how I hold, and I'm going to go literal with that. Okay. Um, It's just been recent that uh, uh, someone I kind of grew up with posted on social media that he was reminded of a song they wrote about me as a young, younger person. Mm. I used to literally hold or carry my Bible everywhere I went, Mm. everywhere. So my friends made a song about me. Um, my name is Chandrika Fienackle. I take my Bible everywhere I go. Uh, Saving Souls is the name of the game. Something, 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 something the same. I mean, just it it was it was a it was a deal, though, that I, I carried my Bible everywhere. And mm-hmm. I wore the jackets and I wore the T-shirts. And, you know, if I had a car, it would have been a bumper sticker. And, and yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? I was I was pursuing the collar and. Um, what did the Bible, specifically the Bible, what did it mean or represent to you? I really can't tell you. Hmm. I'll tell you that it was a cover. Um, it was, it was, it was a part of, of me hiding that I did not know who I was. Hmm. 
Wow. It was a part of me hiding that I lacked identity. Um, even the word Christian and Christianity for me was, uh, it was a part of, of hiding that I did not know mm. the image and the likeness of God I was created in. And, and oh. I'm not saying I did not know God. I'm saying that I did not know that expression that is Chandrika. Mm. So, but I looked like it though, because I carried that, which said I was created in the image and likeness of God. So I was carrying this Bible, but it was really a fig leaf. <laughs> oh gosh. You know I what I mean? It. Yeah. Um, the, the jacket that had, um, God's got your back on the back of it. It was a fig leaf. Mm. I had no idea who I was and. Um, and, and so I was pursuing um, identity apart from God unawaringly. Wow. So the very thing or things that you thought yes. were, were giving you identity were yes. actually obstacles for you stepping into your own experience and identity. Yes. Good wow. stuff. Uh, I love the metaphor of fig leaves. Like Adam and Eve in the garden Becoming self-aware can often lead to us covering up, wanting to cover up who we really are. Something I love is that Chandrika uses scripture and the tradition that she comes from to talk about how that very thing was limiting. She's not jumping to some other belief system to find a new identity and new fig leaves to cover herself up, but she believes the very scriptures that she used to hide behind, those are the words that she quotes now to help her move into her own experience that's bigger than the Bible. You know, there is Jesus often acknowledging um, our ability to love people before his death, before um, before salvation is a thing. Mm. Um, he, he, you know, encourages, he said, the greatest of these laws is to love God and love yourself, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There, therein lies the potential. The ability is already in us to love each other. Mm. That's without the so supposedly, according to doctrine, salvation could not have been a, a tangible thing until Jesus died, rose, and, and ascended. Yeah. So before salvation became a thing, there was the greatest of these laws is do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's also this acknowledgement um, or identity acknowledged in being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So he says, he acknowledges um, uh, you are the light of the world, a, the, the a city that cannot be hid. You are the salt of the earth. And so, you know, John later it, says the same about Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And, and, and you know, Jesus and, and the disciples become friends and there's this equality. We're all light. Yeah. You're, I, what I hear you saying is that Christianity helped lead you beyond Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here, here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to do this. This is uh, the last page of the introduction. Um, the introduction is called My Journey. 
It says the womb is limited in space and expansion. So just as we all outgrow it, I've grown out of the religion I was born into. Mm. The same appreciation I have for the womb of my mother is also owed to Christianity. Wow. If it were not for the Christian faith, I wouldn't have my relationship with God. But just as the womb is after, I'm sorry, just as the womb is after nine months of embryo growth to birth, Christianity is now too small for the reflection and expression of God I've been called to. Oh my gosh. I, the same appreciation I have for my own mother's womb, I have for the religion that helped birth me into who I am today. Oh my yes. gosh. That's such a good metaphor. Yes. Wow. I, so I'm not, I'm not dogging Christianity. I do at times have frustrations, sure. you know, with it and about it. Cause I talk about that too. I talk about one of the only times I, I cuss is when I'm talking about religion, <laughs> <laughs> but um, nonetheless, yes, Christianity introduced me to this notion that is God, but it, but it's, it's, um, it's perspective of it in my in my uh, opinion is too small it's it's too small um and it 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 limits my experience and so i gotta go so that i can and experience so i can experience the greatest if there is if there's a word to encapsulate the limitless boundless endless presence that is God. I can't tell you how much I love that metaphor of the womb. Uh, it's so good because so often we treat our traditions like places we're supposed to arrive at and then never leave or stray from. But what if they're more like wombs, like starting places that can help give us enough shape and nurturing so that we can then be birthed into our own journey and experience. Yeah, what if they're not destinations to arrive at, but starting places that we must move on from? He was talking, I think, to the Pharisees, you know, stop looking for the kingdom here and there. Yeah. You know, it's in you. You know, um, it's bigger than here, there, everywhere. It's it's in you, as you, expressed by you, through you. So if I'm constantly going to borrow or, it, in my opinion, ex, uh, study the experience of another person, you know, a lot of times we are what we practice. So if we continue to always practice someone else's inspiration, because that's what we're reading. We're reading someone, the, the inspiration of someone else's experience. Yeah. So if I'm always practicing that, then that's what I become. How do I become the, the expression of God that is me? And that is what I've been experiencing, that becoming. And the way I've been becoming that has been taking off. That's what not dying Christian is. It's taking off all of, of a lot of, I should say, or revisiting a lot of what Christianity has taught me about 
what it is to be the image and likeness of God. And so it's that it's 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 going back to explore that place of 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 purity and how God sees me and becoming that. But the more I strip away what Christianity taught me about me, the more I see myself through the the eyes, if you will, of God. And I see myself as deserving and worthy. The experience I've had these last few years is owning, owning that I am whole. It is, it is uh, owning and walking in and living from the perspective, from an eternal perspective. I am where I came from. I love that. I love you use the word becoming. Yes. And you use it in the context also of like of taking off. And I feel like we often think of becoming as putting more things on of, mm. you know, like eventually I'll become once I stack all these things up, once I put all these fig leaves on. Right. And yet you're using it in like the opposite way of becoming as yes. taking it off. Literally taking it off, and I'm only becoming to me. I am already who I am from God's perspective. <laughs> yeah. So I'm only becoming because I am in the realm of time. So I'm only becoming um, as my perspective or as I experience it in time. But, oh, but, but it, I'm not, God is not surprised. I'm just discovering how God sees me, God's perspective of me. And I am now coming into alignment with that. My awareness is coming into alignment with that reality. So good. I love this idea of becoming as taking off the layers that we've added on top of our true identity. Becoming is coming into alignment with reality, with what's already true underneath the extra layers. Again, this makes me think of the kid that we're about to have and the father I'm about to become. In the Christian tradition, God is often referred to in paternal or maternal ways, father or mother. I think about how this kid I'm going to have is already completely loved and it's going to come out of the womb and no matter what it looks like or sounds like or how red or how much of an alien it looks like, it's completely loved and accepted and worthy. And there's nothing I needed to believe or study or, or know. Even as it grows up, there's nothing I needed to learn or do or identify as to stay loved or to become more loved. And I hope that when this kid, you know, like loses a soccer game and, and thinks that it let me down or, or if they bring home like a bad report card and, and worry that they're not living up to my standard or expectation, that I can remind them their real identity is that they are my child in whom I'm always pleased. I think it's natural and maybe even healthy to add on layers to our identity as we grow up. We need to develop some amount of an ego to become self-aware, become an individual. But then those very things that helped form and shape us can become extra layers that then get in the way of us remembering who we really are. They can become the things that we now cling to and identify with. They can become the fig leaves that we use to cover up who we really are.
I, I, the the putting on is so it 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 contributes to the ego um, in sometimes the slightest way. Just give you a little bit, and you a bishop. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, really? Um, you know how did how did we go from? Ugh, I write about this. How did we go from Jesus sitting at the table with his disciples for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, this being his last Feast of Unleavened Bread, to communion and all these hoods and and uh, robes and pedestals and rods and bread and cups and I'll hold it and you hold the plate and how do we get here? And so um, I don't know. If there's a healthy way to participate in religious tradition, Christian tradition, I don't know what it is, and I'm not interested. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, criticizing anyone anyone else, but I feel like I'm called to to help people strip that mm-hmm. um, to to find who um, to find uh, their authentic self as it relates to um them who they believe themselves to be you know to to get through all the imitation you know and and really uh figure out what who am i as the expression of god in the earth um i feel like that's what i've been called to do That was Chandrika, my new friend and new author of a book called Lord, I Don't Want to Die a Christian, (laughs) which I just love that title. Lord, I Don't Want to Die a Christian. (laughs) Go check out her book. I just got it and I'm so excited to read it. I love so much the excerpt that she read during our conversation of the womb and how the Christian tradition was like her womb that she needed to kind of get birthed into her own experience, but now she has to leave it behind because it's too small. Yeah, that metaphor is just so, so good. And I hope that you, wherever you are in your relationship with Christianity or religion, can feel the same freedom to stay or to move on. In the Christian tradition, we often talk about being born again death and rebirth over and over. There's times for many different wombs in our life. There's nothing wrong with being in the womb. It's necessary and beautiful and nurturing. And then there's times that it's too small and it's time for a new birth. And I hope that you feel the freedom to listen and sense what is being birthed in and through you right now.